Hey, Jimmy. Casey, what's going on, man? How are oh, you? I'm I'm all right. How are you, my friend? I was I was laughing to myself. It's just funny for me to say this. You were the uh, lead guitarist for my dad's band, Juju and the Enchanters, during the time that I grew up, dude. So it's it's an honor to have you on the show. <laughs> I, you know, I love your dad so much, man. And uh, you know, I was really nice to be kind of allowed in too to meet you and your mom. And uh, I, I really thought highly of all you guys. It was really fun to be involved with that for when I was. Yep. How's your family doing? Are they good? Really? Thanks for asking, Jimmy. Yeah, my son is turning 17 in a month. And uh, <laughs> wow, yeah, that and my daughter, uh, she's actually playing bass in a band that's actually getting paying gigs. So <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask you, man, you know, uh, I, I played some instruments here and there, but do you hope that your kids play something and that you can eventually create something together? Absolutely, buddy. We, we've done a few things. Uh, my daughter and I together, we've recorded a few things and uh, yeah. that's fun. And, uh, but yeah, I, you know, especially during the quarantine, the pandemic, you know, during COVID, we, uh, we, I got the, I busted the PA out and um, <laughs> awesome. I'm a few songs and I had my son on drums and yeah, it wasn't great. We were all, you know, <laughs> just trying to pass the time, but it was super fun to work with them on some stuff. So, yeah. Very cool. You know, as far as the music that, you listened to growing up what were what were some of the bands that you can recall uh listening to well you know from the time i could walk and talk believe it or not i loved kiss uh you know because i thought, <laughs> thought they were just like cartoon characters man and they, they were so uh you know it wasn't as much about the music it was more about the the show and the the, the larger than life personas that they had but uh I love the Beatles and uh, the Rolling Stones. And, you know, I, I have three older brothers. And so in our house, when I was, you know, seven or eight, I mean, my oldest brother was about 15 or 16. Uh -huh. And then I there, you know, my second oldest brother was, I don't know, you know, a couple of years younger than him. And they were always blasting music out of their rooms. So I got exposed to, you know, Steve Miller, um, you know, Steely Dan, anything that was current or popular, Van Halen. And of course, Van Halen to me, as a budding guitar player, excuse me, was, uh, you know, something that I was uh, immediately taken to, especially the sound of his guitar. So, you know, I would say probably one of the biggest influences was, was uh, once I started thinking about playing guitar was, was Eddie. So, yeah. yeah. Have you ever had a chance to, to meet any of these heroes uh, that you grew up with? Yeah. Uh, uh, I, uh, so one of my biggest heroes, by the time I was really into guitar around 13 or 14, guy named joe satriani and joe joe's kind of an instrumental guy that you know does mostly instrumental guitar music but just just a amazing player anyway i got to uh meet him three or four times uh once uh well i got i got to do this guitar contest out in california in san francisco and he was yeah. one of the uh and that was really exciting to play in front of him and uh something i'll never forget but uh yeah um i know a few other but that was the most memorable uh, guy. You know, I got to meet the guitar player from 38 Special one time at a gig. He was just hanging out. He was a super nice guy. Mm. So, yeah, I remember that. But uh, not near as much as probably your dad got to meet, I know. But uh... the one story that I, that I think is awesome, uh, this was shortly after Stevie Ray Vaughan got sober. Dad was working for a catering company, and they needed somebody to drive srv to a meeting i mean it's alcoholics anonymous uh, but he would want us to advocate for that program uh you know just to see 
and for dad a a performer to see a, a star of that level need yeah. to get right before a show it was a good lesson for him you know to learn oh, oh absolutely i bet yeah and plus, i mean did he say stevie was pretty cool this was like right when he got sober so you know he was sort of uh sensitive to to you know what was around him and that that was one thing i was going to ask you uh you know thankfully srb got his addictions under control but some players do benefit from having a beer or a smoke i mean is that does that add to the performance or make you a better player with certain levels that's an question buddy i I don't know if i've ever had somebody ask me that direct but uh i would say levels of that uh you know definitely if you're drunk no you play awful i think i could i mean i know me i would be i would barely be coherent and no i don't i i'm not much of a drinker anyway i i will occasionally have a beer before a show to curb the nerves a little bit if it's a bigger show or whatnot but i enjoy beer i i don't uh i don't drink a lot but you know back in my younger days like you know my 20s and 30s uh, i did imbibe and and you know the herb a bit so <laughs> and yeah. that i think i thought i was playing amazing and then you know occasionally somebody would record it you know I'm not all the way back then on a phone obviously people didn't have but like on a cassette recorder or something and i'd hear i'd be excited to listen to it and then i'd be like oh man i don't sound that good because you know i was i was thinking i was killing it but yeah. i really wasn't Playing sober to me has always been the best because, you know, it's hard enough to just play and do it well. And so, yeah, I, I usually am pretty pretty much steering clear of that stuff, especially these days, being 50. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I always love the story of uh, hearing my grandmother buy uh, Chooch's first guitar. And I'm curious, uh, who bought your first guitar? You know, uh, yeah, so uh, I think the very the, – the, First electric guitar I got, my parents bought me for Christmas. I think I'd turned 11 uh-huh. and Junker, man. It had the strings were so high off the fretboard, I could barely, you know, even push it down uh, after taking several lessons. But I worked that summer after I got it, it at least got me going, uh, you know, and I, I loved plugging in the amp and just hearing the sound of the strings vibrate, you know, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So I saved up all my lawn mowing money one summer and bought myself a flying V, uh, and it was a it, nice and uh i had that till it, it got unfortunately stolen in college without but yeah I, the first real guitar i had i remember the brand it was a k k-a-y but boy mm-hmm. it was <laughs> i don't i don't even happen to it but what was the first one your dad uh do you remember that story what what kind of yeah i don't recall um i i believe it was an acoustic and that was going to be uh another question i have for you because i wore my uh mtv unplugged shirt for you and um that was that was a great show back in its day um what differences are there if any going from electric guitar to acoustic when you're playing it well that's that's a great question jimmy it it, it's it's pretty big i mean the the instrument itself in terms of of how to play it in terms of the sounds you're making aren't vastly different because it's still tuned the same um still has six strings but the sounds you're going to make and the styles of uh, technique you're going to use are different because when you're playing acoustic oftentimes playing an acoustic you, you're doing more stuff like with your fingers like what they call finger style playing and uh, it's more delicate and nuanced and so um you know it requires generally like you can't be standing up jumping around playing that kind of stuff you got to be sitting down concentrating and watching your hands mm-hmm. 
electric guitar, you know, when you plug into an amp, especially playing loud, which is stuff on the planet, uh, you know, you have a little more freedom to not be as exacting. So, I mean, you can, you can walk around and um, you can, you know, have a little more fun and you can wear the guitar around your neck and obviously stand up. And uh, now it's still certain songs you're going to have to more. And, uh, but the biggest difference too, is that you can manipulate your tones with pedals and different effects that electric guitar players like to use. Um, generally with an acoustic, you're stuck with one sound. It's a beautiful, wonderful sound. Don't get me wrong. And I love it, but uh, you know, you, it's not as forgiving. So you mm-hmm. tend to, up on the acoustic well and one uh performance that just blows my mind every time i listen to it i listen to it almost on a daily basis is uh srv doing pride and joy on a 12 string i mean that 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 takes an extra amount of detail doesn't it when you're dealing with a 12 string (laughs) stunning performance you are right i i remember seeing that and just being like well there's the king man you can't do i mean you can't bring out the tone of a 12 string any better than that guy did. And he got his inspiration. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but if you haven't, you should check it out. Jimi Hendrix doing hear my train on a 12 string sitting in the studio. It's, it's, you it's, it's out there. You can find it on YouTube. It's, it's awesome too. And I think Stevie probably saw that and, and want, got the inspiration for, for, for that to, to do the pride and joy, but no, it's terrific. That's one of my favorite performances of his actually. So, well, and, I always find it interesting. Like if you listen to Double Trouble in the set that they do, it'll go from Voodoo Child to like Ten Pan Alley. And um, I, as a guy that plays hard rock, it, wouldn't it be almost more difficult to play soft <laughs> for an extended period of time when you're used to hitting those hard notes? I don't know. That's a that's a fantastic question, and that is absolutely the case. Um, it, it takes a lot more focus. Um, I find it much harder because you don't have the volume to shoot the notes out. You've got to really be able to manipulate the strings a certain way and uh, attack them a lot less and, but get still get the sustain and nuance that you're trying to get. You just really have to know how to do that through experience. And I think that was something Stevie, he played so many years and little clubs and had to down right from the stage. He didn't have this huge PA where he could, you know, himself back so i mean it was all him working his amps and i think that's why he was so magical with his touch because he he had so much time in those clubs to work on it and so when it became time to do it on the big stage you know he was able to do it so masterfully because it really had time to hone it and uh i think that's what not enough people realize about stevie he didn't just drop from the sky (laughs) yeah that's like so many people are nowadays you know he had he had slogged it out for years and years and years to get to the kind of chops that he had, you know? Well, and uh, I find it interesting that there's a lot of parallels between Jimmy and SRV. And I, I'm sure with warrior Kings, uh, I thought you were able uh, to travel a little bit. I mean, how often is it that American bands end up going to Europe or traveling overseas before ultimately kind of making it big here? Oh boy. Well, I, I, you know, that's such a wide net, um, to work and and i mean I, so much of it jimmy has so much to do with time and place and era yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know back in the 70s and 80s i mean i think you know you didn't have obviously social media or any of these things now but uh, you know there's just so many different levels of it but um you know i think 
you have to make decisions uh, when you're, you know, really kind of on the precipice of, of getting what you want out of the sound of the band and things. And you, you know the guys you're playing with and you have a good, solid unit. You have to make the decision. Are like, are we going to try to take this to another level and travel a lot? And then you have to hook up with, you know, you just have to know people who know people and you can try to get hooked up with somebody who can, you know, uh, get you over there. There's there's a couple of buddies of mine that have done many tours of uh, Britain and UK and a bit of Europe. Um, they got hooked up through the Slippery Noodle, believe it or not, involved uh, <laughs> through there. And yeah, but it, it just, you know, it doesn't normally lead to much unless you're really willing to lay down the gauntlet. And I think with the Warrior Kings, just personally speaking on my, you know, just for me, mm-hmm. uh, in our mid-30s by the time that band started to really get going and we made had kids and families and mortgages and we're like man we can't go on the road you know we could never afford it and so we just start decided to make it locally and i think that you know a lot like what your dad did and you know become a local hero or a local legend and uh, by it out around town and playing as many shows as you can and bringing your best every night like your dad did and, and uh um, you know, I, I think he was kind of an inspiration to us. I think Chooch and Tanner, because obviously Ben and I played with your dad quite a bit before really going full tilt with the King. Uh, just watching him work and how, how he did things was, was uh, to us, you know, like this is a local legend. This guy knows how to work yeah. a crowd. He knows how to, he knows the songs to pick that'll get people to be. Yeah, we took a lot, you know, from guys like your dad, we took a lot of cues. There's other guys in town, different guys that, have um, made it around here. So I, I think you make that conscious decision to uh, decide, you know, hitting the big stages, it, it takes so many steps and it actually takes a lot of luck uh, to, yeah. to be in front of somebody. And it also, you know, I think it takes a lot of sacrifice on the musician side, uh, people that are willing to throw everything aside for that one chance. And that one chance may be the, the right place, right time thing. So, you know, it, you can, there's a mil. I mean, I, gosh, it's funny that you asked me that too. Cause I was just watching a documentary on the, believe it or not, just came across it on, on prime on Ronnie James Dio, who I loved as a kid, you know, he's more hard rock, but, and, yeah. you know, watching how he rose up through the ranks of what he did. He started out as a lounge singer, you know, believe it or not, this heavy metal God, you know, that mm-hmm. could, but he did, he started out as a lounge singer, you know, in, in, in his hometown. So it was really to watch that and then watch how he you know just rose through all these ranks of the business it's uh it's it's a really tough business to even know what to do because most of the people who have the power they don't even know what they're doing half the time <laughs> so you know yeah um you know one thing that i've always uh been really impressed by is the way that you know dad was able to find these players and mix the energies because i mean when you're yeah. playing an instrument you're sort of projecting the energy that is coming out of you. I mean, would you agree with that sentiment? Santana himself says that in order to be playing guitar correctly, you should feel chills. Um, you know, it, you do sort of generate a a um, synergy when, when you're playing with a group of people. No, you're 100% right, uh, Jimmy. And that's, I think guys like your dad were really good at bringing personalities in that could not only, you know, bump up his sound but who knew when it was their turn to do something that they took it and ran and uh, he played with some great players uh over over his life and uh 
Alex grateful to have been in, you know, uh, a few of those bands with him. Uh, and yeah, you know, one thing I think that I learned early on playing with guys, you know, that were already established was that if it was my turn to do something, I better do it and I better do it, you know, and I better bring some energy and some attitude and really take over for the second and, and take the spotlight and then give it right back. And that's, you know, kind of what a, I think a good lead guitar player does is they know their place when it's their time. they And when it's not, they give it right back to the singer or the, uh, you know, drummer or whatever. Um, so, you know, I've always, always believed in that and definitely playing with guys like your dad and different other guys, you know, learned that. So, yeah. yeah. How um, I, I've always liked uh, Jimmy and the different clothes he would wear. Um, how important is for a guitar player, the physical appearance and what they decide to wear for a show? You know, man, I love that question um, because I'm <laughs> so ignorant of that. <laughs> and if I ever could have maybe done more with my life as a guitar player, I would have paid more attention to that. But I think, you know, again, that's kind of more, if you look at the evolution of that, yeah, you started with the Beatles in three-piece suits, you know, uh, Chuck Berry, you moved through, you know, guys like Ozzy and Black Sabbath and, and Deep Purple, and they're dressed in street clothes or maybe occasionally some frilly outfits, uh, but Hendrix, of course, in that thing wearing outlandish outfits and then you'd have different bands throughout the 70s 80s who would have different dress things but i think it just depends on the genre you're playing you know i mean you got everything from like a guy like boy george uh, he's not a guitar but you know he's dressed up like a female you know it gets attention that way right go to guys that are just like guns and roses who are just dressed in street clothes or walk like they just woke up and walked out on stage you know um I think it depends on the genre. The genre can be, you know, what causes people's attention to go to how you look. Um, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on that in pop music as well. But yeah, I, you know, I mean, I'm unfortunately a guy just throws jeans and a t-shirt on when I play. <laughs> I should pay more attention to that. But I did think Stevie Ray and to bring him up always looked fabulous when he played just fabulous. I mean, he had such cool clothes. Um, and there are others, you know, uh, I always thought Eddie, Van Halen just looked really cool, even in bell bottoms and stuff. And when when Van Halen was first coming out, you know, he had a good look. He just looked like a guy playing guitar, um, and you know, things like that. So I think it's important to get people's attention, but I also think if you're doing something that's not you, it shows very quickly. You know, mm -hmm. it's got to just. I think the most important thing is self, and if that's you know, putting more emphasis on your playing than you, I think generally you don't want to be as flamboyant, but it just depends, you know, I mean, it worked for Hendrix, worked for Stevie Ray. So, you know. Yeah. I, I do want to ask about uh, Prince too. He's one of my all time favorite musicians. Um, he, he talked about, uh, or at least his band members did in one interview that when you're a guitar player, you got to have a good stank face is what he called it. You know, when you're reaching for a note and you're having to, you know, uh what does that actually impact the kind of notes you can wield from a guitar oh, when you make a face <laughs> uh, i i you know i've had people tell me over the years watch me play like god you make this weirdest faces and it's like you know i'm unaware of it because when you're reaching for a note that's just a natural reaction to try to work for it you know and i think stevie ray had those 
I mean, they've even had stop motion pictures of him, you know, making his mouth look like a fish. <laughs> yeah. as he's I think it definitely is part of what, I mean, here's the deal. And I, I've said this, you know, I'm a guitar teacher, but talk, you know, students have asked me occasionally. Um, I'm always like, don't do anything purposely, you know, do it, let it come out. But I said, if you're really trying hard on the guitar, uh, here's the deal. When you bend this guitar string at all of any sort, whether it's an acoustic guitar string or electric guitar string, what I mean by bend is you actually bend the string up on the neck and make the note go up. That's hard work. It hurts. Right. <laughs> it's not the guitar is fighting you. It does not want you to bend the string. It, it's going to fight you every step of the way because that string is under tremendous tension. It does not want to be moved. So if you don't make a face, you're not trying hard enough. So. <laughs> Did you ever, um, there's a famous uh, scene in the Austin City Limits performance from 89 where uh, Stevie Ray breaks a string in the middle of a, in the middle of a, of a song and keeps rolling. Uh, has that ever happened to you? Oh, several times. Yeah, several times. You know, it's not as crazy as people think because, you know, the way the guitar works, especially on electric guitar because it has such a long, whatever string you break, you can go up to the next string and find the same group of notes. But if you're not used to doing it, it can be a complete showstopper because you're like, oh, my God, you know, I, I got to figure it out real quick. Uh, it's definitely not something you want happening, but usually uh, you can finish it out. Now, I, I had a, a little incident. I don't know if you're familiar with the band Rush. I'm sure you've heard them, right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And you have a song called Spirit of the Radio that they do. And the entire guitar part is on the high E string of the guitar. And I was in a band just a long time ago. We were playing to a packed house one night. We launched into that song, literally the first five seconds, my high E snaps. And there's no way <laughs> you can fake the rest of that. So I was in big trouble there. But most of the time, if it happens, uh, you know, I can I can figure out enough to get through the song. But yeah, it's it's a, it's always, you'll always jump when that happens because you just never, it's like a jack in the box, you know, you know, you know, it could happen when he's going to pop up, but he never pops up at the same time. Um, and I'll tell you, man, you really were like the first musician that I witnessed with my own eyes and seeing up close you playing guitar. And I'm just curious, you know, uh, again, I, I to reference SRV, he loved to yep. play behind the back, you know, have a power <laughs> strum. Are you able to, to demonstrate anything like that? <laughs> well. No, Jimmy. That no, I uh, I could never do most of that stuff. I I really admire uh, Hendrix and Stevie and those guys that can. I you know yeah I uh, I would probably break my neck trying to do something like that. <laughs> and I I have a healthy respect for those guys that do it. No, it's pretty hard to do. Um, you have to have a lot of confidence. I think a couple times I uh, I played like the guitar like kind of without seeing it, like turned it the opposite way. And uh, yeah, it's not easy to do, but uh, no, I never, never got it. Um, by the way, too, uh, when I was uh, coming of age and you were in dad's band, uh, Guitar Hero was really popular. Uh, did you ever play the video game? <laughs> Very briefly. Uh, and it's nothing like playing guitar, <laughs> yeah. but fun. Uh, but I was terrible at it. Yeah. it's uh, I, But that actually, that game was one of the reasons i didn't got to do that guitar contest of 2007 uh got to play for joe satriani and those guys yeah sponsored by guitar heroes so it's pretty neat to be a part of that uh but i'll tell you just being on the front lines and being a guitar teacher uh 
at that time as well as now, that game got a whole new generation of kids into rock music. So I, most guys like me and your dad, I think we're pretty grateful that, you know, another generation of kids, you know, at that time, like yourself, were rediscovering, you know, good rock music through that game. So I, I remember really liking it for that. And, you know, we, we learn a lot, at least I did uh, these past couple of years listening to Santana and all different kinds of guitarists. But um, what are some life lessons that you've been able to take away from being a musician? Oh, man, you know, uh, working with other people, appreciating diversity in people, people from all walks of life who have different backgrounds, different stories, you know, different talents, um, but all the big umbrella of music i mean it's just been a privilege to be a part of that and yeah i mean there's a kinetic energy that happens when you're on stage with with people you like or you have something in common with with music it doesn't matter if you're black white or per, you know purple or polka dot it, it 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 it's just something that happens uh male female doesn't matter i mean you just share this energy. really special it's like a drug I mean, you, you get addicted to it. And I think that's why most musicians, once they play in front of people, they want to do it for the rest of their lives. Cause it's just, it's hard to explain to people who haven't done it, but I mean, it's a really good feeling. And uh, for me too, like I said, I just believe in, you know, people have a story to tell and, and uh, it's just really cool to be a part of that uh, and, and get to do that. So, yeah. Well, and, and in a time where we're seeing shootings so often, okay. I mean, music has taught me that art's a hell of a lot better than guns. It lasts a lot longer, <laughs> you know? Right. Well said. Yeah, I, I, I'm I not a big fan of any of that. And uh, The more music that made to get people to come together and not at each other's throats, the better. Um, something I also wanted to ask you about, uh, is how much original work you've done. One thing that I still listened to, cried to it the other day was, um, the absolutely song that you helped compose, uh, with uh, my dad. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yep. I mean, what does it mean to you to be able to write something originally and, and capture that so then your kids can have it? I mean, it's, it's so valuable for me to still have dad's archives to listen to. Oh, I think that's great. Yeah, no, I, uh, I think it's, it's invaluable and it's, it's priceless. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's another thing that you do and you're, you know, you're doing it with that purpose that you want to leave something behind and, uh, for people to enjoy. And I mean, yeah, I, I think, uh, that was great working with your dad on that song. I really enjoyed that. I remember that now that I, I'll have to go back and listen to that myself, Jimmy. I'll probably have it by myself, but, uh, no, I, I think it's, uh, I, you know, art, like you said, is this thing that brings people together. And, you know, when you can write something and make somebody with it, even if it's somebody in your own family, if that's that's it, or it's, you know, a million people, uh, you know, it's, it's such a privilege. And I think it's important uh, that people try to do it in any way, shape, or form. Even some dude on his home computer is just writing a song for his wife or something. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> And it matters. And, uh, you know, I work with students all the time if they've got original songs and try to really encourage them, because to me, the more of that that's out in the world, the better. You know, it's mm -hmm. a wonderful thing to share with people, you know. Um, I, I know that dad had to power through a few gigs and it was probably a little more noticeable since he was a singer. But have you ever had to do a gig sick or you just had to power through? 
Well, yeah, yeah, I'm sick now. <laughs> oh goodness, I'm sorry, man. Hate to hear uh, that. All this crud that's going around, uh, but no, um, yeah, I've I've had to do it several times. I've been in the bathroom throwing up uh, a couple times, which is the worst feeling ever. And uh, you know, I'm I'm not alone. Lots of musicians have done that. You know, the show has to go on. Big deal is you've got three or four other people out on that stage, you know, and they're trying to get paid at the end of the night like you. <laughs> and you you can't go through so it don't feel good. You know, you got to soldier through it. Right. And uh, most of the time, you know, the energy, if it's a good night and there's a lot of people up and, and having fun, you almost can power through it and forget about it for the moment. And, and you know, there's something healing about the music. It's kind of silly to say that. It sounds a little new agey, but it's true. Uh, mm-hmm. You can power through it. But boy, I'd say after that gig, you are just limping home. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, times. But you know, thankfully, I'm pretty healthy most of the time, and have have been very fortunate there. But uh, but I, yeah, I mean, you know, I've known everybody. Everybody I've ever played with has had a night or two where they just come in and they're almost green, and you're like, duty, right? And they're like, oh, <laughs> to, oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, it's never fun. Um, and you've you've certainly played uh, guitar for a long time, uh, accomplished plenty. But what do you still want to do at this point in your career? Oh, that's you know I I see just sailing into the sunset doing it, man. I'm not going to stop. Uh, but yeah, I mean I I want to write some more music. I've actually got another. Uh, believe it or not, I want to do an album of Christmas instrumental stuff that I've just started to really focus on. I've had it in my head for years that that's another instrumental project i want to do and uh i'm starting to just finalize putting the tracks together and get the order and start trying to call some musicians to see if they're interested in working on it with me and um so that's a project but you know yeah i mean i i still feel like i have so much that i i I mean i mean i just cracked the surface man of what i want to do but you know i think that's what keeps you going i mean between playing a lot of gigs and playing stuff you've already had a big part in you're always wanting to go to the next chapter and do more so that you can feel that rush again of doing, doing something new. So as far as other things in my life now, I mean, I, there's been lots of times where I've gotten fed up with the rigmarole of of gigging and stuff and tried other little odd jobs. I worked for the post office for half a year. I, uh, I, I worked for Menards for a while, did all these other things just to try to get away from it because it's fed up with, but, the second I got to doing something normal like that, I went, Oh man, I can't do play. So I think, you know, uh, I know a lot of musicians that, you know, kind of get a little fed up with it because it's, you know, it's a tough life. It's not, it's not uh, for the you know faint of heart to, you know, go play gig after gig after gig every night and be away from your family and be up till two in the morning or what. But at the end of the day, you do, you know, at least for me, when I've, tried to straighten out and do something else it doesn't work <laughs> so i'm gonna say i die buddy what band could call tomorrow and you'd be able to play their catalog for a show <laughs> uh metallica uh, <laughs> i knew you'd that, say that that'd be one um van halen of course i couldn't that would be too big a show there uh or uh, joe satriani I mean, but again, those are all bad examples uh, just because, you know, those guys are the guys. So, yeah, right. but I don't know. I have never thought of that. I, you know, I, I love the Warrior King. So it's like, you know, it's like been my life for the last 10 years and I'm pretty proud of what we've been able to accomplish. So, you know, I probably 
whoever called, hey, I'm in the Warrior King. Sorry. <laughs> I, I still wouldn't want to leave, you know? What has been the best piece of advice you've received in your career? Hmm. Um, you know, I don't know if it was as spoken as it was just given by example. And again, your dad, a guy named Tony Cheesebro, I played with for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these more seasoned musicians, it was how they hit the stage and worked the crowd. And I think it was like, I don't care what you feel right now. I don't care if you're upset at your best friend or your wife or, you know, you've had a bad day. When you hit the stage, you're a professional musician and you're going to entertain these people. And you got to leave all that other crap at the wayside. And I think that's, you know, that's, it wasn't ever really spoken as much. It might have been, you know, maybe yelled at that a little bit or something if somebody was, <laughs> but it was, that was just the mentality that got passed on to me pretty, uh, pretty well by guys like your dad and Tony Cheeseboro, some of these guys that, mm-hmm. you know, that that's your job is to entertain people. And you gotta, you gotta dig down deep some nights if you're not feeling it and find that, find that vibe. So. Yeah. Well, um, you know, when I think back about my childhood and being free of concern, uh, see, seeing the practices, seeing the rehearsals and ultimately seeing the gigs, uh, with you and dad on stage, Pretty damn awesome. Um, well, yeah. I mean, your dad, I was just there to back him up. I had a, yeah. he knew how to, his voice, man, he had one of the best voices of anybody I've ever played with. I mean, hands down, such a terrific singer and just an even nicer guy. And so, yeah, I, I always loved playing with him. And he could crack, a, you know, he was a funny guy. <laughs> he, he, that's really enjoyed. Um, well, you know, one thing I remember about playing with your dad, we were always laughing about something you know whether it was in between songs or you know on a break or after the gig we were just always laughing and i loved that i always had a good time with him and uh but at the same time man he could get people up and dancing like that just with his voice and so it was a real privilege to to play with him and and you know be able to and he was a real generous too when he turned me loose you know he would give me lots of time to shine and you know play instrumental stuff and i really enjoyed that because it gave me a chance to step out and do do the thing i love to do so which is play lead uh, so it was, it was a lot of fun you know i say that about enchanting to say the least buddy uh you know how can people reach out to you casey and uh hire you if they're interested well you know like i said they can find the warriorkings.com all over the internet now our facebook page just in case anybody wants to check that out have got has been uh believe it or not hijacked uh our oh, no. didn't have too uh, authentic vacation you know we're we're 50 year old guys man we just don't we put facebook and somebody hijacked it and for a while it was a bunch of like arabic stuff which was weird and now it's like weird like live videos where people are just driving down the street and stuff it makes no sense but we can't get any control of it so just in case anybody out there wants to go check out our facebook page don't uh that's it's not ours anymore but we're in, we're trying to fix it but facebook is that's a whole nother subject but oh yeah uh, where you came um and then um yeah i mean i i teach at bongo boy music school which is just uh there in castleton near the post office on bash road and I've been there for about a year now. I've, I moved from a different place, and I'm real happy. It's a cool place. They can take lessons with me there or contact me there if they want to talk about stuff. But I would say, you know, 
these days, I mean, between I play with a guy named Brad Kleinschmidt. And so we play a lot like acoustic duo stuff. So I'm a pretty busy guy and I'm very fortunate. So um, I, probably not available much for hire, but uh, if people want to check those projects out, uh, I'd love them to. All right, Casey, uh, you already know, man, it's it's an absolute joy to uh, document your story to this point. And I uh, can't wait to see what's next for you, man. Thanks for making time to be here. I'm so proud of what you've accomplished on your own with all your successes. And uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. Everybody loves to talk about themselves. So uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity and uh, good luck with this podcast, man. I I, uh, I will be a avid listener from now on. And uh, yeah, let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. Hey, folks, to hear this again, you can check out my website, jbkonair.com, or get the podcast anywhere by searching JBK on air. Until next time, have a great day and a better tomorrow.